The Steeple Climber, Part Two, of Careers of Danger and Daring. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kirby Bonds. Careers of Danger and Daring by Cleveland Moffat. The Steeple Climber. Part two. How they blew off the top of a steeple with dynamite. Known all over Connecticut was the Congregational Church in Hartford, that stood for years on Pearl Street, and was famous alike for the burning words spoken beneath its roof and the tall straight spire that reached above it two hundred and thirty eight feet measured the drop from cross to pavement. But churches passed like other things, and near the century end came the decision by landowners and lease interpreters that this graceful length of brownstone and the pile beneath it must move off the premises, which meant, of course, that the steeple must come down. The time appointed for this demolition being August 1899. Now, taking down a steeple, 238 feet high, that raises on a closely built city street, is not so simple as proceeding as might first appear. If you suggest pulling the steeple over, all the neighbors cry out. They wish to know where it's going to strike. Are you sure it won't smash down on their housetops? Can you make a steeple fall this way or that as woodmen make trees fall? How do you know you can? Besides, how are you going to hitch fast the rope that will pull it over? And who will climb with such a rope to the steeple top? It must be said that there is usually some young man at hand, some daredevil character of the vicinity, who is ready to try the thing and is positive he can succeed at it. But luckily, he seldom gets a chance to try. It's queer, said Merrill, telling me the story. How people ever built a steeple like this one without a window in it, or an air passage, or anything for ventilation. Between the bell deck and the cross there wasn't a single opening from the outside, so I had to break my way through up near the top. What a place for a man to work, squeezed into the point of a stifling funnel, with no swing for his hammer and no air to breathe, and the scorch of an August sun. After fifteen minutes of it, my wrists and temples would be pounding so that I'd have to come down and rest. Of course, the purpose of this hole that I knocked through the steeple top was to make fast ropes and pulleys, so my partner and I could hoist ourselves along the outside and not have to climb up the inside crossbeams, which I can tell you is a lively bit of athletics. Well, we got our ropes fixed all right, about twenty-five feet below the top, and the bosun saddle swung below us for us to travel up and down in, and then we made fast another set of ropes and pulleys about fifteen feet higher up. This was for hoisting timber and stuff we that we needed. How did you get up that fifteen feet? I inquired. Worked up on the stirrups, that is, two nooses around the steeple, each ending in a loop, one for the right foot, one for the left. You stand in the right stirrup and work the left loop up, then you stand in the left stirrup and work the right loop up. Sometimes, in hard places, you have to throw your nooses around the shaft as a cowboy casts a rope. Come down some day and watch us work. You'll see the whole thing. 
to this invitation I gave glad acceptance. I certainly wish to see this stirrup-climbing process. The next thing, continued Merrill, was to make another hole in the steeple through a keystone a little below our first hole. In this hole we set a block of Norway pine resting on an iron jack. The block was about a foot square and twenty-two inches high. A big, tough piece, you see, and by screwing up the jack we could make that part as solid as the keystone was. We made this hole on the east side of the steeple, which was the side we wanted her to fall on only side she could fall on without injuring something, and we had figured it out so close that we dug a trench on that side straight out from the steeple's base, ten feet wide and four feet deep, and told people we intended to have the whole top of that steeple, say a length of thirty-five feet and a weight of thirty-five tons, come off at one time and land right square in that trench and nowhere else. That's what we intended to do. Now began the hoisting of materials. First a lot of half-inch wire cable, enough for four turns around the steeple. Then eight sixteen-foot timbers, two-inch thick and a foot wide. Then a lot of maple wedges. We bandaged the steeple with cable and drew it tight with tackle. Then we lowered the timbers lengthwise inside the cable, which we could do because the steeple was an octagon with ornamented corners and these left spaces where the wire ropes were stretched around. Then we wedged fast the eight timbers so they formed a sixteen-foot half-collar on the west side of the steeple, just opposite our hole where the jack was. In other words, we had the steeple shored in so that when we let her go, no loose stones would fall on the west side. Everything must fall to the east. Last of all, we widened our hole on the east side, stripping away the stones until that whole side lay open in a half-circular mouth about four feet high. And in this mouth were two teeth, one might say, that held the stones apart, the iron jack biting into the block of Norway pine. On those two came now the steeple's weight, or anyhow one half of it. To knock out one of these teeth would leave the east side of the steeple unsupported with the result that it must topple over in that direction and fall to the ground. Anyways, that was our reasoning, and it seemed sound enough. The only question was how we were going to knock out that block of Norway pine. Well, the day of the test came, and I guess five thousand people were there to see what would happen. Everybody was discussing it, and the farmers had driven in for miles just as they do for a hanging. You understand I was going under the orders of the contractor, and he had his own plan about getting that block out. He proposed to hitch a rope to it, drop this rope to a donkey engine in the yard, and set the engine winding up the rope. He said the block would have to come out then, and the steeple fall. I agreed the block might come out, but was afraid it would tip up through the strain coming at an angle, and throw the steeple over to the west just the way we didn't want it to go. And if that steeple ever fell to the west, there was no telling how many people would, would kill in the crowd without counting damage to the houses. However, the contractor was boss, and he stuck to it his way was right. So we hitched the engine to the block and set her going. She puffed and tugged a little, then snapped the rope. We got another rope, 
and she broke that one, too. And we got a stronger rope, and the engine just kicked herself around the yard and had lots of fun. But the block never budged. All that morning we tried one scheme after another to make that engine pull the block out. But we might as well have hitched a rope to the church. The steeple's weight was too much for us. And all the time the crowd was getting bigger and bigger until the police could hardly manage it. Finally, the contractor, being very mad and quite anxious, said he'd be hanged if he could get the block out, and for me to try my scheme. And do it quick, for some men were going to say the thing was dangerous and ought to be stopped. He didn't have to speak twice before I was on my way up that steeple carrying an inch auger, a fifty-foot fuse, and a stick of dynamite. I had him ready for hours. It's queer how people get wind of a thing. The crowd seemed to know in a minute that I was going up to use dynamite. And before I was twenty feet up the ladder, a police officer was after me, ordering me down. I went right ahead, pretending not to hear. And when I got to the bell deck, he was puffing along ten yards below me. I swung into my bosun saddle and began pulling myself up outside the steeple. And I guess the whole five thousand people around the church bent back their heads to watch me. As soon as I began to rise in the saddle, I knew I was all right, for I coiled up the hauling line of my arm so the officer couldn't follow me. All he could do was stand on the bell deck and gape after me like the rest and growl. When I reached the block, I bored a six-inch hole into her at a downward slant, and in this I put some crumbs of dynamite. Not much, only about half a teaspoonful. And then I stuck in the fuse and tamped her solid with sand. Then I lit the other end, and I dropped it down inside the steeple. And I slid down the rope as fast as I could, yelling to the officer that I'd touched her off. You ought to seen him get out of that steeple. He never waited to arrest me or anything. He had pressing business on the ground. By the time I got down, you could see a little trail of bluish smoke drifting away from the hole. And there was a hush over the crowd except for the police try to make them stand back behind the ropes. I don't know as I ever saw a bigger crowd. The street was jammed for blocks either way. Well, sir, that was a queer actin' fuse. It smoked and smoked for about ten minutes. Then the smoke stopped. The people began to laugh. They said it had gone out, and the contractor was nearly crazy. He was sure I had made another failure. I didn't know what to think. I just waited. We waited ten minutes. Twelve minutes. It seemed like an hour. But nobody dared go up to see what the matter was. Then suddenly the explosion came. No louder than a pistol crack, for dynamite isn't noisy, but it stirred me more than a cannon. Start your engine, I shouted, and the little dummy had just time to wind up a half a turn on the hitch line when the old steeple top swayed and broke clean in two, right where the block was, and the whole upper length fell like one piece fell to the east just as we'd planned it, and landed in the trench, every stone of it. There wasn't a piece as big as your fingernail, sir, outside that trench. And while she was falling, I don't know how many codecs were snapped in the hope of getting a picture. Men and women with cameras had been waiting for hours on the roof of high buildings, and two or three of them actually caught a picture of the steeple top as it hung in the air for a fraction of a second at right angles to the base. End of section two. Recording by Kirby Bonds.